0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, amen. The message for today, the second Sunday after Pentecost, rises up out of that gospel reading read just a few moments ago from Matthew chapters nine and 10. The shooting incident which took place right in our own backyard this past week in the Delray section of this very city, the city of Alexandria, Virginia, is a stark reminder to all of us of the fragility of life. Things can change in an instant. And they did on that practice ball field uh, just uh, less than a week ago. And it points out to us in stark reality that the little things in life which seem maybe rather inconsequential are actually very, very important, that is, taking time to get to know the people around us. Do not take that for granted. Find out who our neighbors are and get to know them, to love them, to serve them, to bless them. To say those three important words in the lives of the people who matter to us, words which we often take for granted, I love you. All of us really only have today. That's all we have. And so while we have time, brothers and sisters, let us do good, not only in the big things of life, but the little things of daily life as well. In these early summer days, before school is even out here in Fairfax County, I've been doing some of those little things, been watching my garden grow in my backyard. There's summer squash and zucchini, there's cucumbers and tomatoes and peppers and onions. My wife and children call me Farmer Jack, and I've been called worse, so I'm okay with that. That works. Throwback to my days on the farm in Iowa. You can take the kid off the farm, but you can't take the farm out of the kid as the old saying goes i just find there's something immensely satisfying with uh, planting a tiny seedling in the springtime tending that watching it grow and mature into a fruit bearing plant and as we all know nothing nothing beats a homegrown tomato And already there's fruit appearing on the tomatoes and cucumbers and zucchini plants. Well, they're not ready for harvest yet, but they're coming along, they're coming along. And later on this summer, we will literally be enjoying the fruits of our labors. Jesus talks about a harvest in the gospel lesson for today, not garden produce, but of human souls. The harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. Pray therefore earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest." And that, my friends, becomes the theme for preaching this day. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. The garden plot of Jesus is the world in which we live, filled with people, all of whom are created in God's own image, whether they know that or not. They are all dearly loved by their creator God, even if they do not acknowledge, know, or worship that creator God. That same creator God loves and is concerned about each one of them. Jesus' garden is filled with many different varieties, just like our own gardens, all growing side by side, but different plants. They don't all look the same. And Jesus' description of the crowds that were coming to him is very revealing. He says what we read, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd." Now, I don't mess around with the words of Scripture, but in keeping with that harvest theme, I'm wondering if we could tweak Jesus' words just a little bit and say, "'They were weed-infested and overgrown "'like a garden without a gardener.'" Point is, In looking at the teeming crowds of people who were coming to him, surrounding him, Jesus didn't see just with his eyes, he saw also with his heart a heart of compassion and mercy, which moved Jesus to see deeper than just the surface stuff, all the diseases and afflictions which they brought to Jesus for healing, for help. And those surface things are often the thing we can't see beyond. It's too much. It's it's, it's overwhelming. We cringe and turn away. Human need can do that to us. It's overwhelming. As anyone who has ever worked in addressing human need will tell you so many needs, some of which we can address, but others which only the Lord can fill. The harvest is ready and waiting, Jesus tells us. But sometimes, though, we want to rush things. We want to jump in because it's right on our timetable and it works with our schedule, even if the produce isn't quite ready yet. And that can be counterproductive to the harvest. You might remember reading in Greg Finke's book, Joining Jesus on His Mission, about his description of what this looked like when he was at a previous congregation in the great state of Michigan. In a particular part of that state where there were a lot of orchards, a lot of apple trees, a lot of apples. And he learned the hard way that you can't pick an apple until it's ready to be picked. Because if you do, and you tug and tug and tug to get that apple off, what happens? you end up breaking the branch and injuring the tree. The apple is ready when the apple is ready. And there's nothing you or I or anybody else can do about that. It's gonna happen when it's gonna happen. But you know, before there can be a harvest, there first has to be a planting. And before there can even be a planting, there has to be a preparation of that field for planting. And after planting, there's cultivation, there's watering and fertilizing and weeding. Yeah, everybody wants to help with the harvest because that's fun. Who wants to help with the weeding? Hmm, I know how it works at my house. Everybody's suddenly busy on that particular morning and yet how essential that is. So what does the harvest look like in the neighborhoods here, around St. John's Lutheran Church? What do those harvest fields look like where you live, in your neighborhood? It may well be that where we live in the neighborhoods around our congregation, there might be some low hanging fruit that is ready for harvest. But in truth, it might also be that some preparation of the field needs to happen first so that some seeds can then be planted. I remember vividly attending an evangelism workshop many, many years ago. And I always remember what the speaker had to say about this very thing. He said, don't assume that you will be the one doing the harvesting. You might not do this. You might not even do the planting. Your job might only be removing some rocks from the field so that someone else later on can come in and plant those seeds. Wise words, and I've always remembered them because they are true. In the kingdom of God, none of us operates solo. God's harvest comes about through many, many workers, which Paul the apostle tells us, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. And that's helpful for us to remember, we are not the ones who bring about that growth in people's lives as they come to know Jesus and all that he's done for them. That is God's work alone through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. As Lord of the harvest, Jesus first sent those 12 disciples, those apostles out into a restricted harvest field. They were sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's where the harvest would begin. But after Jesus' death and resurrection, the harvest field was expanded to include all peoples and nations. Jesus tells us, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's his great commission to us. Jesus sends us out into his harvest fields today with the good news which we heard in the epistle lesson for today. While we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. One will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps even for a good person, one would dare even to die, but God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that's the message of the cross. Silent witness to us all when we come into the house of the Lord reminding us of this good news, which makes an eternal difference in the lives of people everywhere. My friends, you and I, we are Jesus sent ones today, his apostles, because that's exactly what the word means. We've taken it from the original Greek language and we've transliterated it into English, apostello, I send, apostle. Jesus sends us out today into the harvest fields of our neighborhoods and communities, our places of work and learning and leisure. Wherever God places us in life, that is our harvest field. The Lord gave special gifts to those early disciples to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse lepers, cast out demons, which we may not receive in our own lives today. But what we do have is the life-giving word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ that breaks through strongholds of sin that leads people to repentance, that proclaims forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name and bestows eternal life. Her name was Catherine Hankey. You've probably never heard of her before. She lived most of her life in the 19th century and into about the first decade of the 20th century. She was the daughter of a prosperous British banker and she grew up in a stylish London suburb. Without calling it as such, Catherine Hankey joined Jesus on his mission. She started a Bible class for girls in her neighborhood while she was still a young person and when she was only 18 years of age, Catherine Hankey went into central London to teach a Bible class for factory girls, as they were called. And in her 20s, she started other Bible classes for other factory girls. When she was in her early 30s, Catherine Hankey became seriously ill, so much so that doctors said she needed an entire year of bed rest. Can you imagine any doctor saying that to you today? You need to stay in bed for a whole year. Wouldn't happen, but it happened at this point in time. And so she was forbidden to teach her beloved Bible classes for 12 whole months, which must have been an extreme hardship for her. So during her long, slow recovery, she wrote two lengthy poems. The first written at the beginning of her convalescence and the second 10 months later. And after 10 months, she felt strong enough to leave her bed. And before long, she had returned to teaching her Bible classes and she continued doing so for many years to come. You may not have heard of Catherine Hankey, but I'm willing to bet that you have heard of that second poem, which she wrote. It goes like this. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know tis true. It satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. I love to tell the story. It be my theme and glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. My friends, the Lord of the harvest is calling you and me to tell that old, old story of Jesus and his love through our words, and through our actions as we like Catherine Hankey join Jesus on his mission may god help us to do this for jesus sake amen